However you want to make a splash this year, Wool Runner Mizzles from Allbirds can help every step of the way. Wool Runner Mizzles are shoes crafted with premium supernatural weather repellent materials. The high top uppers are moisture wicking merino wool with puddle guard technology, and the supernatural rubber treads ensure all weather traction, so you can jump into anything, rain or shine. Make a splash with Wool Runner Mizzles from Allbirds. Discover your perfect pair at allbirds.com today. That's A L L B I R D S dot com. A Mitch and Jeremy exclusive. Are you ready? On air. Online. You ready to have a good time? On your smart speaker and wherever you stream. The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews and episodes on demand now. Subscribe so you don't miss any event. There we go. Tabit and Johnny, how you doing? I'm fine. Who do we have here? So you have uh, Jeremy White, who is my co-host, and he is Montreal's number one on-air personality, having won 20 20 rating books in a row, Uh, number one in Toronto as well, and uh, Hamilton, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I'm coming to you from uh, Southern California on vacation right now, so there you go. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes, and it's funny because for uh, for the last few interviews steve hackett uh uh, larry gowan and all that he's like i'm on vacation and then i said i said but i got johnny kohler from uey lewis and he said i was like all right i'm in uh, i'm in i'm getting on zoom (laughs) i'm getting on zoom for that (laughs) (laughs) for for, for johnny i'm getting i'm getting on no disrespect to steve hackett or lawrence gowan we love them both exactly but for for uey lewis he went all right, I'm, get, I'm getting. Uh, yeah, I'm in. some of the best guitar tones of all time, right here on my screen, man. We're going to talk all about it. Well, that's uh, um, um, yeah, no slight to anybody. Look, I'm red. Just I'm embarrassed. Just <laughs> already. And what so I love again, about your uh, your background, Johnny. It's live yes. Zoom, so I'm naked from the waist Oh, down. yes, of course. Every, <laughs> listen, every business Zoom, every business like Zoom, it's, pants are not required. That's right. Uh, Jeremy right. is our local tech guy, and and I said that Johnny's a tech guy, and I love the fact that you're coming from a room with all that tech behind you. It's perfect. It's my studio. It's Johnny, you know, it'd been hilarious if I just left Mitch to fend for himself. He would have been like, "So, tell me about tape. Uh, what does that do?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah still use a razor. Yeah, it makes things stick to each other. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, uh, look, uh, look. I mean, let's get right into this. Uh, his latest effort, I Hear Other Voices, available now wherever you get your music, came out a couple of months ago. Of course, I Hear Voices back in 2012, and Lucky Devil in 2002, one of the founding members of one of the greatest rock and roll groups of all time, from Huey Lewis and the News. Please welcome the one, the only, Johnny Cola. Hi, Johnny. How you doing? Live and almost in person. Huh? How are you? I, I, Thanks for I having me. I was going to say, here's Johnny, but, you know, I wasn't, didn't want to be. But hey, so you know, Harder Rock and Roll, Huey gives me a shout out before my solo, right? So <laughs> yeah. since 1984, I haven't been Johnny. I've been Johnny! <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's funny, my cousin's name is uh, is Johnny, so we call him that too. Johnny. Here's Johnny! <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh let's get into these uh, these two releases i hear voices and i hear other voices because they they are almost a carbon copy in the sense that you're working in the same framework but yet they're completely different and i love them both uh mm-hmm. i think they're fantastic talk to me about the latest one and why sort of did you choose to update the one from 2012 or or, or give it a fresh polish and how did you fix it or change it or update it 
Yeah, I guess uh, I suppose change it is a is a better term. When right. I got done with the first project, it just didn't ring with me. No slight against the musicians uh, or their performance or any of that, but but listening uh, uh, listening back to it uh, with with all that reflective time, I thought it really didn't go where I wanted it to go. And uh, truth be known, I started an a cappella version just months after. Uh, the first release right. and, you know, up jumped Huey Lewis in the news. And I sort of took a bigger role production wise with the band and one project led into, uh, went into the other. And I, I never had time to actually complete this acapella effort the way I always thought it should be uh, heard. So of course, with the uh, circumstances with Huey's hearing and, uh, and all this free time, huh, um, I went after it. I I, uh, I got it done in a very short amount of time. I, I added some some really cool, sweet stuff to it to change it up a little bit. Right. And as you know, I took a lot of stuff away just to really uh, get the vocals out there and spotlight those fabulous singers. From a production standpoint, uh, I mean, how do you go in and do that? Are you sort of like, especially during the, like, was this recorded during the pandemic and everybody did it isolated on their own? Or were you guys all around a mic and doing it together? No, uh, now uh, I think Mitch might be onto this or not. Oh, it's a redo. Oh, right. Yeah, I got I got confused there. I hate to call it. I hate to call it a re a redo or remake. Well, no, it's a reimagining. I think of it as a reinvention. Yes, strangely, because uh, I did move some pieces around. I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but this is a modern world. You can (laughs) Uh, damn near anything in the studio. And uh, and I added some voices and took some off and and the songs um, as you know the I changed the running order up a little bit because the acapella uh, I wanted to make more sense for the songs that qualified for this record. As I stripped the instruments away, I got to tell you some of the songs didn't make sense acapella wise. They just laid there. So I. Those uh, got the, uh, they, they went on the chopping block and uh, I found uh, a track that I completely forgot I started. Mama said there'd be days like this and that one worked out great. Um, it's interesting off. to hear you say that some of them just didn't work acapella wise because when you're writing these songs, I'm sure it's just you and a guitar playing some chords coming up with the melody. Not necessarily wondering, oh, if I was to arrange this for just voices, how would it sound? So it's interesting for you to say that yeah, some of the songs just didn't lend itself to be a cappella. That's right. That's right. Or there's the a cappella. The guys and the gals are singing beautifully, but there's no there there in their parts. Mm-hmm. You know, it's flat. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 is a great example. That didn't get on the record because there's no fire to the tune when you strip the instruments away so and every song told me what it wanted to do and sometimes when they told me that they got uh, they got cut from a producer standpoint uh, you're in there you know putting the, all these acapellas parts together i mean you've worked with some of the greatest producers through the 80s and 90s and 70s I mean, through your entire career do you allow yourself to get at the helm and say, yes, I'm totally taking control, creative control over this. Or do you need somebody else to go in there and say, well, maybe you should try this arrangement with the vocal part or is, is, do you need that? Or is it nice to finally just say it's me and this is my shit? Yeah. Well, I don't think I need it, but I do have this little trick, um, uh, Jeremy, and that is I'll lay something down 
uh, just roughly, and I'll go away from it, especially the lead vocal, and I'll get away from it uh, for a week or so, and then come back and listen to it, and and what doesn't work becomes amazingly evident. Uh, it's almost like I'm listening to somebody else. The hardest thing for a singer to do, I think, um, and I've spoken to a lot of great singers uh, in my day, and that yeah. is to hear it as if someone else is singing it, so you can critique it properly and change the stuff that uh, that uh, matters. Well, let me just quickly ask you about being a singer, because obviously you listen to these albums and you listen to The Devil One and, and you listen to all this stuff and you realize you've got a fantastic voice. And you've said in the past that I always wanted to be a singer. And yet you got, uh, and I'm going to use the word deliberately here, but you got saddled with Huey Lewis for you. For me. Uh, <laughs> for oh, you. what a shame. What a shame. For you. But was that something that was ever a, a, a not a debate where you, but you just sort of said, hey, maybe we could be like the Beatles where I do two tracks or, or we do three tracks. And, and when you finally got to be the singer on these ones, did you sort of say to yourself, man, I got something to prove here. I, I'm going to, I'm going to sing the daylights out of this stuff. Uh, yeah, maybe on the first record, there was a little something to prove, uh, I suppose. Right. Uh, as time went on, um, uh, I got recognized as the other voice in the band, and that's great. Um, fine. You know, kudos. You get it wherever you can take it. But it wasn't something I needed out of Huey Lewis in the news. As a right. matter of fact, I don't think I'm talking out of school when I say, when we put the band together, Huey knew exactly what he wanted. Right. And there were some ground rules. Uh, don't touch the mic stand. <laughs> and I'm the only guy that talks between songs. I'm, I give the monologue between tunes. And uh, 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 wow, did that work out? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> it, it, it worked out great now so what do we do with these with these songs now that they're out because in your press release it says well i spend a lot of time walking my dogs now which is the same thing i do yeah. but do you say to yourself okay let's get a band let's go do the whatever the casino circuit or the the, the wine cellar circuit or let, let's just go play some shows and get out there not do Huey lewis stuff do my stuff but yeah. tour and play yeah i, I don't Really, I mean, unless somebody offered me a huge bag of money, I don't care if I ever get on a, an airplane again. Really? <laughs> wow. What I would like to do, and it's going to take, uh, uh, now probably take a year or so, I'd like to get a couple other projects under my belt. That is my own project. And um, I would like to put a band together locally and open right. shows for, you know, who's ever in town. Whatever. To Toto comes through, a journey comes through. You got the Johnny Cola special coming. Yeah, they'd hire me like that. <laughs> Listen, they, they probably would. I mean, you do I have just, a great reputation and they do yeah, know it's you. Special attraction. Uh, sidebar I just went to see uh, Toto and that other band uh, uh, last week here in San Francisco. <laughs> oh, man. That, was that political enough? Um, I, I, I'm going to have uh, to ask at some point why the other band, but maybe maybe it's none of my business, but okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my old next door neighbors. And, and, and uh, there's our bass player, John Pierce, up there, you know, and it was just, it was heartwarming to see him working with such a great musical rock band, because that's sort of important to me. I'm yeah. not a real Neanderthal guy. I mean, there's only good good music and bad music, and there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of 
pretty rough rock and roll out there. But I uh, I really have always respected Toto for, you know, they have chord changes and they have modulations and it all makes sense in a rock world. Not a lot yeah. of bands do that. So it was, it was bittersweet for me. I'm up there and there's Toto. And there's my old bass player, John Pierce, you know, of 20 years. And I did a little bit with Huey about more years than I'd like to know, 20, 21 years ago. Huey and I went back, uh, uh, we went to Europe and did this thing called Night of the Proms. Yes, I have those. Uh, you know about those? I do. I have, uh, uh, it's, uh, actually, they're, they're in a pile back here, but I do have them. I, I tracked those down. You did uh, uh, Power of Love and uh, something else. Um, yeah, a little medley of some type. Yeah. Uh, do you believe? No. Do you believe in love? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, yes, we do. You believe in love with an 80 piece choir in back, Man. back of us and a 50, a 50 piece orchestra or vice versa. I can't remember. But the takeaway is the bill is Toto, Pointer Sisters uh, and Huey, uh, right. along with me is the sidekick. Uh, long story short, I met my future wife was singing in the choir and we're still living happily ever after wow real that was in germany so your wife is german then uh, my wife is belgian yeah oh, Belgian. Oh. the problems actually uh, uh a belgian a show uh-huh. well, wow at least i knew about it <laughs> yeah yeah you it. it's a fabulous show um I'll i'm gonna set this right one now. up here for 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 jeremy he is a huge mutt fan mutt lang fan mutt connoisseur and of course, your first uh, success was with uh, "Do You Believe in Love," which was called uh, "What Was It Called?" We before? both believe in love. We both believe. See, got it. Um, I'm just gonna let Jeremy ask you some mutt questions right now and talk about that song. Sure. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I, that was the first song that really kind of blew up for you guys. What was the process of getting that song from Mutt? And um, did he just approach you and say, "Hey, I think you guys have good voices, good band." This be a good song for you. Like, what is the process of getting a Mutt Lang song? <laughs> That's not easy. If you know Mutt, he'll throw one on you. Let's put it that way. Yeah. It, uh, actually, it goes back to Clover. Uh, that's Huey's other band, right? Streets Alec of London. Clover. And I, if I have it correctly, Mutt produced the first Clover record over there in England. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't say the first. I should say one of the first ones they cut in right. England. I think they cut two. Yeah, there's a couple of those tracks on YouTube. I've heard some of them. And yeah, yeah, and, and Mutt was learning back then too. You can hear it. Mm -hmm. he, he was working with a with a band that was trying to figure themselves out, and he was trying to figure them out too. And that's the end of the record. So, but beyond that, Huey is such an amicable guy. He, you know, he can he can befriend a a, a rabid pit bull. It's just the way he is. And yeah. uh, he and Mutt hit it off, you know, and they talked a lot and they ch exchanged information. So when Huey came back home and we cooked up this thing, mostly Huey's idea, Huey Lewis and the News, um, I'm sure you're familiar with our first album, uh, self-titled. Yeah. Some, some of my lies are true is the greatest song you've ever written. I'll just leave it at that. Ah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, it should have be, been called Fast, Furious and Wrong. We just we we missed it, you know, every way to Sunday. But it was a great learning experience for the band. We had a three-record deal with Chrysalis, mm -hmm. and here comes the second record. We finished number one. We did a little tour, 
it actually, our live performance really uh, upped the band's brand, roaming around the country, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of crazy kids. Uh, and uh, uh, let me see, I lost my track for a minute. Um, second record, right. we needed a hit. And we started writing tunes, and frankly, they weren't very good. And you ah. suggested starting to look around for outside writers, as did the record company. And uh, Mutt pitched We Both Believe in Love. Right. And wow. I immediately thought, uh, well, this is this is some pop stuff right here. You know, we got to jump on this one. Mm. And, uh, you know, it worked out fine. Uh, Huey, Huey can, I'll give Huey uh, uh, credit for changing the title. Right. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and, did, uh, did you help in the rewrite? Because it, it, on uh, Supercharger did a version of "We Both Believe in Love," and it just yeah it sort of sounds clunky. The the chorus doesn't roll off the tongue, and then you go, "Do you believe?" And then you go, "Oh, that's perfect." It rolls off the tongue. Um, <laughs> I guess we were getting our. I, I think we were getting. We were. We were. Learn, and as I said, we're learning as we go, and it was really a wonderful experience that uh, we all both got along some, so well, and it was friendly competition. That's the best uh, scenario, getting better at what you're doing, you know? Yeah, you all make each other up. better. Yeah, that's right. It breaks a lot of bands up, but uh, uh, egos. and But musically, we had a focus, and we had a leader, and that makes a big difference. So... Um, I think I might have made up a little demo where I sang, uh, you know, we're trying to steer this tune into a more pop vein, something obviously America and the world would yeah. get and swallow. And um, I think it was our, God, did he produce the record or just engineer it? Our friend Jim Gaines, it was either Huey or Jim Gaines, suggested I sing all the uh, backing vocals. And uh, and we did, and everyone thought it was fabulous. And I just thought, you know, there's me, you know, <laughs> there's me eight times. But right. apparently that I sold the chorus somehow. Those uh -huh. And my voice sold the chorus. And there's a certain person out there that used to work for the organization who labeled our band from then on as Beauty and the Beast. And my <laughs> In production were the beauty and Huey was the beast, you know. Right, right. So was it, it was, Rick, you was it Rick who did that? Was it Rick? Was that was it Rick who did that? Froggy? That? What, was it Froggy who who labeled you that? <laughs> oh, you know Froggy, right? No, he wasn't around back then. He, well, we knew each other, but we moved in different circles. That's right. There you go. So wow. Um, the uh, and now let me get back to your album in a second here. But Huey uh, Lewis over the years, uh, sports has had a 30th anniversary re-edition, and everything else just hasn't. Uh, at at some point, do we start getting on that bandwagon of deluxe editions and triple vinyls and bonus cuts and live this and unreleased that and and original versions of uh, of uh, some lies are true. Some of them, some of my. When does this stuff come out? Uh, I think we should, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah. is that something that that the record company is is holding up and saying, "Leave us alone," or is the band just not interested, or is it just nothing in the vaults? Uh, there's stuff in the vaults. Okay, I think we're uh, strangely we're we're not we're not big fish, but that doesn't mean uh, uh, that we shouldn't do it anyhow. I've been promoting the idea of releasing our first album uh, to the guys forever. 
uh, let's see, that was 1980. I think I started thumping that drum about uh, 2005, 25th anniversary. Let's rework it and re-release it, you know, and uh, it fell on deaf ears. And really? another three years passed. I said, hey, here comes, here comes year 30. Why don't we cook mm-hmm. that thing up? But now I think finally, uh, um, Huey especially, uh, uh, it's really down to a few of us to make band calls anymore and decisions and Huey especially is, is uh, starting to embrace that idea and uh, as a matter of fact as I speak our tape oh no I moved it sorry uh, our tape library is no more than three or four miles away and I just organized it and um, we're looking at some live recordings which is fun wow um, uh, um, yeah. They have a live recording called, um, well, it was live in Chico. I forget what the name of the actual album is. It's one of the greatest sounding live recordings you will ever hear. Did, uh, did you produce that one? I don't even remember if you produced that one, but it sounds. Well, I was in the room while, while we, uh, uh, it was really uh, Huey and myself. Right. Uh, and uh, while it was being mixed. And engin- engineer uh, Jeffrey Norman, who uh, put, put all that together. Uh, the, all the audio together for that thing. But that's a possible re-release because well, we have better tools to work with now. So the band doesn't exist at, the, at this point, but the brand does. So, so what do you do with the brand at this point? Because it, it, it sort of just seems to be lying there. Do we start having, I don't know... Uh, some retro T-shirts yeah. and American Outfitters, or like you know, you gotta do something ready? with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was a strange thing that happened. You know, I mean, we came up in the mid '80s, and and mm-hmm. you know that whole story with you name it, uh, Tina Turner and and uh, Springsteen and uh, God, I could just keep going and going all those bands, and and we had as many and as big a hits as, as them, but somehow. I don't know, with critics and stuff, we lost our credibility, and I don't know really what to attribute that to. Uh, not that I care about it, but the, the um, Rock and Roll Heart of Fame is a, uh, Hall of Fame is a great example. We've never even been considered. And I don't really care about battle of the bands those types of things yeah but um but wouldn't that uh, be some great recognition for you guys in the career and the history of the band i mean to be have that nomination for the rock and roll hall of fame i as as cliche it is now i mean it it would be a big deal yeah we'd be right up there with dolly parton christ yeah (laughs) yes absolutely (laughs) yeah dolly parton Uh, she's she's, a class act man yeah no thanks i don't even know why you thought of me but, yeah, uh, you know what, Johnny? You're looking for some new projects. She wants to make a rock record. I mean, sh- come on, get over there. She mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what were we on about? Oh, well, we were yeah, just talking about the brand and stuff. You know. Yeah, I think the the way for us to go is uh, is what you mentioned. We're we're going through the vaults. I'm slowly picking my way through it, and and uh, there's lots of ideas out there. Um, I actually. Like I mentioned, I, I went to, uh, to a big rock arena show uh, the other day. And mm. uh, to be honest, I hadn't sat out in an audience Yeah, with the audience and watched a show like that for, I can't remember, Paul McCartney in 89 or 90 something. It's just not my thing, you know? It right. sort of takes the, the intimacy away from, from the music, whatever it is for me. They're too big. They're made for is sporting it- events. So, 
So you'd prefer to be playing in front of like 300 people in a club versus a stadium? Uh, 3,000. Okay, 7, like an amphitheater, like a yeah, amphitheater yeah. club thing. Yeah, you don't get the sound of the band coming back at you three seconds later. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get why people go. I, I understand it. And the whole thing has changed. You know, there's concessions and popcorn and and screaming kids and lines in the bathroom. Do you think it's lacking soul? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's what do you no think about controls? No way to control the sound, no matter how good the technology is. And well, look, I mean, ready, a majority of these bands are playing to playback anyway. So, I mean, <laughs> you know. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Did you guys ever do that through your career and play, have some tapes running? No. No. No, I think that I think the funniest thing we ever did, silly might be a better term. We dropped our horn section for a while. Mm. We went out as the sports section. It's just the six of us. And I had this device where, let's say I could play new drug, the unison. Like a harmonizer or something. And when the harmony comes, I hit a button and it plays harmony. I hit the button, it goes off. And, and um, <laughs> you know. One too many shastas before you go on. You're pressing the wrong button. <laughs> you're in the wrong key. Hell in a hand basket. Yeah. So all of a sudden, it's dropping a third instead of going up a third. <laughs> yeah. Well, but it was actually fun. It was fun and very creative. It was a. It well, was an interesting moment. I'm sure it was because it was kind of unpredictable, right? The technology. Yeah, yeah. And we're playing smaller rooms just to get out there and have some fun. So yeah, it was. It was, it was all right. We're speaking, to, uh, we're speaking to Johnny Cole, his latest record. I hear other voices. You picked that up now. I want to circle back to just talking about Mont Lang really quickly, because one of my favorite records from you guys is Hard at Play. They came out in 91. And, of course, you got back, and, uh, you know, he, um, Huey collaborated again with Mott. It hit me like a hammer, which is a pretty big hit for the band at the time. When you go in to record a Mont Lang song that's pitched to the band or brought to the band, are you going in having to recreate the demo you hear from Mutt or as a guitar player, musician, arranger, are you able to do your own thing with it? Mutt makes great demos. I'll just put it that way. He, he, he makes full it. songs. Let's call, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> he, he makes, well, he makes these demos and he throws those demos out there and he sing, he sings the parts in these little tiny voice. And, well, that's another story I got to share with you. And oh, love that. Demo from Mutt, I mean, if you, if you have, if you're a band that knows what they're doing, where they want to go. Let's face it. We were, we were self-produced. It's easy to see that song and go, Oh, I know how to make it. Huey Lewis in the news. You know, mm -hmm. we do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Oh, this tune, this tune doesn't want horns. This tune wants to be a rocker, you know? Yeah. And by the way, I'm more of a sax player than a guitarist. Yeah. Uh, I'll let you know, but I have a great Mutt Lang story. Uh, oh, let's hear it. Uh, <laughs> When you do TV over in um, England, in the UK, mm -hmm. uh, everything has to be recorded, supposedly. Uh, you can't use your record. You got to go in. You know this, Mitch? You know about yeah, this? Top of the pops and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. All of those. You got to go in the studio and you got to record the track that's going to be used on the show. Well, no one does that. It's all about union and, and following the rules because they do like their rules over there. And so you go in the studio and you just have a bit of fun and, and, and get it done. Then you use your track when the, when the, uh, uh, when the performance happens. Well, you always having dinner with Mutt or whatever. And, and um, we decide Mutt's going to help out with the, uh, with the production of our, uh, 
of our TV appearance. So oh, get wow. I don't know if you know this, and Mutt, I'm sorry if I'm giving you away, but Mutt likes things just just so, very particular mm. man. Just a little, little, little perfect. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's a perfectionist. And that's, that's okay. I've got a little, my nickname in the band was The Dentist, so I can understand. Perfect. So, uh, uh, so sure enough, we're there and we're recording and it, it's nothing but a good time. We can eat and have fun. So we decided to let Mutt sing the lyrics. And we got him out there and we, we poker faced him all the way. We just gagged him all the way. We got him out there and he says, hey, how was that? He says, uh, not bad. The third note could be a little more, a little more gravel. <laughs> God damn it if he didn't try it, you know. Ah, pretty close. The last one was flat. Just bring that one up. Keep the gravel. Start it a little earlier. I think you got it, Mutt. And we gagged oh. him. Good four or five minutes. Oh, that's amazing. Do you have that tape of Mutt, like, we, singing it? We put the Mutt on Mutt. <laughs> oh, I love that. You know, I'm sure it's around somewhere. I mean, all of those recordings, uh, I don't know what happened. And I think they become the property of the shows, you know. Right. Well, talking about that, I mean, uh, just to go back to the demo, I mean, we're talking about archive material. Do you have that, you know, hit me like a hammer demo laying around somewhere with the mud vocal on it? Right. Can you see that pile down there in the back of my horns? <laughs> yes. Where to go? Well, we just, I'll make the story short. We just folded yeah. our compound. We don't have a recording or a rehearsal studio anymore. Uh, each band member to the man took all their toys home, mm -hmm. right? We had to do that because it, uh, for uh, cost reasons and lots of stuff like that. I have, there's probably 2,000 cassettes there. And I wow. guarantee you, Mutt's demo is in there somewhere. Oh, oh we're wow. Have to go through that. It's well, we got to find that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's just been a, a, a hell of a ride here, sorting out all of my stuff, having all my toys in the house mm -hmm. for the first time in almost 40 years. Wow. Yeah. So, you, Jeremy, yeah. your vacation has a new destination. You're going to have to go over there and look for a month. Oh, yeah, I know. Exactly. I'm going to ask you about It Hit Me Like a Hammer. There are two versions of the song, one with a sax demo, uh, not a demo, a solo, I should say, yeah. and one with the guitar solo. Um, was that how you worked on most of the songs where you went, let's just try the, a keyboard solo here and a guitar solo. And, and then did you listen to the versions and go, Ooh, yeah, the guitar one's for the album and the other one, well, whatever. Yeah. We'll send the sax to radio. Yeah. yeah one of those, I'll tell you the truth. That's one of those little trees. We have an idea who did it, but that sax version was never supposed to even get out unless you know anything better than me. Well, it did wow. get out. It yeah, did get on, out, and it sounds great. Right. Is it is it on a is it on a bona fide release? Uh, it, well, it, says on the, a, it says the single release had a remix of the song with the sax solo that didn't appear on the album version. So no, but the um, the, there uh, is a three CD greatest hits that came out that I think has it, and then there's also a greatest hits from Finland that used it. And by the way, that greatest hits from Finland, from Universal Finland, is the greatest sounding Huey Lewis record. They really upped the, their game on remixing and remastering. It sounds terrific. But, but sure both versions right are out there. there. <laughs> both versions are out there. So, but, okay. but I mean, was that a regular process where you got to, uh, you know, whatever, do you believe in love and say, okay, try this breakdown with this instrument, then try it with that instrument, and then we'll, we'll, we'll A, B it and see which one works not very often no, no. that song uh, um 
we, the jury was the, the jury was out. We didn't know what we wanted to do with it, and mm. uh, um, so we decided to that Chris Hayes and I would both take a swing at the solo, and uh, um, you know I'm my my production skills trump my ego any day over in the studio so mm -hmm. uh, uh it was obvious to me it, the tune was a rocker and it needed to be guitar right i never even knew that that was officially released uh, with a sax solo right i love the guitar tone on that the, the barrel 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 like it's just so compressed it sounds like almost like a rockman like that production's great do you remember what the guitar tone was on that album or that song i do, I do not that was no. uh those were some, those were, there were some gray areas in this career, you know. That was yeah. <laughs> um, I, I love that tone, though, man. That that late '80s compressed studio sound. Oh, it's so yeah. good. The yeah, he might, have been on a, he might have been on a Hamer, something strange like that. I know he played Hamer for a while. Chris did. Yeah. Uh, many bands, including the one that I'm wearing a shirt of today, Foreigner, have gone on with new singers. Uh, the Huey Lewis and News has never contemplated that, and I, I sort of hope that you don't. But was that a conscious decision, or didn't, or when when Huey stepped away, you just went, "Oh, I can be on vacation and walk the dogs." Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't that. No, but yeah. uh, uh, we did have one of those meetings when it became evident Huey's hearing wasn't going to bounce uh, back switch anytime soon there's still a chance let's face it mm -hmm. uh, but uh um we had one of those meetings and i was probably the first to pipe up and say there's no way there's there's only there's only one huey lewis you can you can find those contraltos uh they're floating out there somewhere and my hat's off to neil sean and a few others who have done that i guess mm -hmm. um i think i went to i went to that show and i counted between the two bands, I counted 13 bodies on stage and three original band members. <laughs> yeah. yeah. By the way, I mean, I, 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 you I, go for entertainment. You really don't care if it's that guy on, on bass or this guy. You go to hear the songs and fall in love again, you know? Yeah. So, and no, that, was, that was never a consideration, not even for a second. Uh, but, you know, we come up with these little... As you, uh, as probably evident to you by now, we take the we took the music very seriously and still do, but we yeah. don't take ourselves very seriously. We've always been a bunch of jokers, you know, and yeah. we're out there to have fun because life's too short. And uh, so, uh, I came. I want to see. I want to bounce this off you guys. Uh, I came up with the idea the other day. We go out uh, and Huey MCs. And it's the news. We're all there. But we find the three or four best guys out there in any particular town to come up and audition, similar to the gong show. <laughs> and, we take, uh, and we ask the audience, Huey asks the audience, well, what do you think? Does he get the gong or not? You know? And, of course, you have a couple of ringers that really sing well, and they win the prize every night. But uh, Of course. Nobody liked my idea. Can you imagine that? It is kind of funny. Yeah, that actually would be kind of funny because you know um, CBS did that show Rockstar with um, oh. uh, In Excess. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it oh, could yes, be that's... funny. Uh, not that you should tour after, but but do the show, pocket a few bucks, hit some ratings. <laughs> and, you know, do you know what Mitch would do to get on stage and play with you guys? Sing, uh, sing. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, uh, <laughs> hey, yeah. see. 
I don't sing at all. Um, get oh, you bet, come on. You, you can get on stage. Hit me like I have. Woo, woo. You can do it. Come I, on. I did in the shower. Awesome. In the it's, shower, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Production-wise, Huey Lewis started producing their own albums, which mostly was you helping out or, or doing it. Plan B is, is one of the greatest sounding records ever ever, ever put to tape. Hmm. Uh, talk to me about that decision where instead, because I mean, at that time you had Bob Rock, you had Mutt Lang, Bob Ezrin, uh, just all kinds of producers that you could have just gotten on the phone and say, bro, let's do this. And you went, nope, we're going to do this. We know what we're doing. Uh, talk to me about that decision. And, and where did you learn your production skills? Because you're damn good. Uh, well, we, we grew up together, really. We grew into this business, this this business together, and uh, um, I like to call myself, you know, the guy who wanted to do it all, except for the lead singer part. Right, yeah. um, I really did. I was, as you can see in back of me, I've always been in love with the gear and how how uh, um, the studio works. And at the end of the day, I was the last guy in the room grilling the engineer. And uh, when we go to mix. I'm always trying to pinch one little thing off Bob Clearmount. It's something I can take home and do. Yeah. Myself. So I, I, uh, I hope I'm not offending anyone in the band, but I kind of grew into this role over time for no other reason than I had a passion. For right. That. Uh, I'm not the best sax player in the world, and I am by far not the best guitar player on the planet. Mm -hmm. But uh, I know what I like and I know what the instruments and the singer and the backing vocals, I know the capabilities, especially of our band. And uh, I've carried that over into other productions. So um, that's how you get better at it. I guess, you know, you just, you gotta be a, you gotta look for the stuff that doesn't work, try to change it and be positive through the whole process. You know? Well, that's it. You know how things are supposed to sound. So if it doesn't sound the way it's supposed to sound, you'll make adjustments. Yeah, that's right, all the time, constantly. Yeah. So, so then, why haven't you gone into a career of, of producer? I mean, you, you you certainly have the credibility. You could certainly show up with a young band and say, "Listen, I've got all these gold and platinum records. I know the, what the hell I'm doing. Uh, here I am. I, I'm the new Bob Rock. I mean, Bob Bob was, of course, in the Payolas and Rock and Hide, and he went, "I'm out of this music stuff. I'm going to produce." You could have done the same thing. Uh, yeah, I still might actually. Uh, it, I'm, yeah. It, take an interest in it. I just been a lot, a lot of dust needs to settle before I can work a little more. <clears throat> yeah. Other projects. Um, uh, oh, you know, family, aging parents and, right. and kids and being yeah. those things for the first time in 40 years, you're home yeah. and doing a gut check, you know, everywhere around you, all those things you left behind. And, and, uh, but I'm thinking about it. Um, mm -hmm. a fabulous producer uh, who I'm really good friends with, uh, Ron Nevison. Wow. Yeah, he's great. UFO. Yeah, man, all that stuff. Go all the way back to ACDC and, and uh, oh, gosh. Uh, well, he's, done, he's done Kiss. He's done UFO. He's done... Um, he's done all didn't, kinds he do of heart, didn't he do Heart as well? Yeah, yeah he I did those Heart records, the mid-'80s ones. Yeah. He brought my voice in for uh, yes, he did. His dreams, yeah. So he he likes the way I sound. So we became friends through that. Did a lot of work together, and he he said the same thing. He said, "You know, I should 
get into that production thing. There's a couple of sites out there and you advertise yourself and the business shows up. Mm. But, what are those sites? Where do you, is there like hire me to produce.com or like, like <laughs> <laughs> you go on all access and post an ad? Like what, what's the deal? Far off. <laughs> there are these sites out there. Uh, I don't know. He sent me the information I, and I, I'm thinking about doing that, but all these other things come in. Full. But let me ask you about that. All these other things. Yes, of course, we, we have family, we have all these other situations, but producers now, you could essentially just stay home and have people yeah. send you the tracks and then do what you do and send the tracks back. I mean, it's not as great as being in a studio, but it is doable. And just, But do you have a an actual preference or a hate and say, don't send me stuff, get your butt in a studio? Like, are you one of those old school guys and you need four on the floor and let's go? Not really. No. Uh, okay. uh, um, uh, I I like to start with a good drum sound. So you need a room. You cut yeah. these things, isolate all the other, other instruments. This is not the formula. There are certain bands, uh, actually, such as uh, um, uh, I Hear Voices, where I got everyone in the same room and, and just had a ball with it. Uh, but that's the way they're doing it. Uh, nowadays it's so, so much stuff is sampled and the samples yeah. are so good everybody's using addictive drums and all the uh, you know replacement sounds and there's so many like sample packs you could buy these days i mean yeah that's right and you can make it sound like you're standing in the room with a band it's uh yeah well, let me ask you then, because you say drum sounds are important, but it, it's we're not revealing any truth that Huey Lewis had the Simmons and the Fairlights and had all those machines back in the day. Yeah. Why didn't you have uh, go in there and say, no, it's going to be a real acoustic drum every single time. Don't bother us with this technology nonsense. Well, that's a we. That's what we did. I'd say the only the only tune that was. Uh, um, uh, uh, purely drum machine. We and we did it firmly tongue in cheek. Was bad as bad. Right. And champion that drum machine. We weren't going to hide it behind a curtain, you know, and put it out there loud and proud. And Bill Gibson bristled a little at the idea at first, <laughs> but it become quite novel. And if you remember our stage show, Huey used to wheel out a drum machine uh, for for the acapella, bad as bad, and then pretend like he presses the button instead. <laughs> We didn't have <laughs> the damn thing. So, uh, no, we were all live drums all the way. Although uh, it'd be said, Bob Clearmountain, who uh, I respect greatly, I think he's one of the best mixers in the business. Of all time, still is. Yeah. His Dolby mixes that he's doing these days, they sound phenomenal. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's really yeah. cool stuff. Uh, pretty much, he's got all his stuff there. And every time a project comes in, He's moving through kick and snare samples. Yep. Not stuff he's used to using. He finds stuff that matches the song, if you know what I mean. The mm -hmm. character of the song and the genre of the music. And that's that's uh that's using the technology and not letting the technology bully you around, I think. You know. That's a good way to look at it. That's what I do here. He's great. He's perfect. Um, and I'll finish. I'll, I'll start wrapping up on this. I hear voices and I hear other voices. Just quickly, uh, talk to me about some of the song choices on both albums, because you, you do the Huey Lewis naturally, you do Queen's A Crazy Little Thing Called Love, and then, of course, the Little Pretty One. Were these songs that you just always loved, or were these songs that you just said, this is going to fit this treatment, so I've got to use them? 
<laughs> well, a lot of these tunes, uh, the simple story is, you know, I'm six years old, five years old, six years, and I have, I have a talent already. You know, I'm singing, I'm jumping on the piano stool and singing along to my brother's 45s, you know. Yeah. I, my folks knew it was in my skin, and uh, I fell in love with a lot of those tunes back uh, in 58, 9, 60, 61. When we were, uh, uh, you know, we have an acapella segment. We always had an acapella segment, Hewing the News. Right. And that was really my responsibility. Well, shit, the first tunes I picked were the ones I loved as a kid. And uh, some of them worked and some of them didn't. Uh, some didn't because maybe the, Huey couldn't wear it, either vocally or lyrically, mm. you know, for some reason or another. But I kind of kept them in my back pocket and figured, you know, one of these days I'm going to cut that song right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you always got to have something in your back pocket, right? Yeah. The rainy day fund. It's not a cell phone. It's got to be an old. It's got to be that Mutt Lang demo that you need to find for us. That's what it is. <laughs> uh, speaking of, I mean, I, I was just going to say, you know, over the years, have you collected tons of gear? Do you have like a crazy mic collection? You got like, some Neumanns uh, and different stuff. You got a H3000. Oh, look Ooh. at that. Oh. Ooh 49. Yeah. That's, wow. Well, that's your go-to right there. Yeah. There's a 80, 87 over there and. Actually, all those boxes, I think I have about 60 or 70 mics, something like that. Wow. 414s and 421s and, you know, Frigenheimer 441. I don't know. I got a million of them. Got a Fed 47. Got a, yeah. I mean, so you got the, you got, and they're all vintage, right? Yeah. Pretty wow. much. Yeah, That's yeah. an expensive wall back there, Mitch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and I'd, I'd like to think that see that box on the top right i think i paid for it with all the albums i bought <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, my can, that's my box right there i mean you can see the box <laughs> this is um i don't know i was up to about 30 or 40 uh vintage amps i i i liked fender amps over big rock sound amps and that's right the type of music i like uh but i have come to that place in life where starting to whittle it all down man it's like uh, use it or lose it you know yeah totally <laughs> you still, you still got all your thinking jeremy's thinking uh give me your number i'll, I'll buy some of that stuff for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah why not i'll take a u87 off your hands jeez johnny cole the u87 yeah there's a, there's a small panel 56 something or other that one's going up on the chalk chopping block so wow yeah, I love the like '80s gear. Like, uh, I'm still looking for an H3000 for my collection. Uh, what else? I want like, um, geez, there's a couple of chorus units I want to get. There's, there's different stuff. So maybe uh, I'll make a list. I'll send it over. See if you got it in your collection. <laughs> got a pedal box this big. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Mitch. We're gonna get some uh, some Johnny Cola gear. Yeah, and 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 the funny thing is, uh, Johnny uh, Jeremy is actually deadly serious. He'll buy anything you have. He, he loves the gear. He loves that gear. Anyway, let's yeah. go, go, kid. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Well, look, uh, check out the music from Johnny. Obviously, the stuff's incredible, and it just seems like you know, it's it's kind of nice to hear that you're you're totally contempt and relaxed with being at home after this career of being on the road. I'm I'm sure a little bit of the personal life's taken a bit of neglect, and it's nice to kind of revisit that and reconnect. Yeah, it may have ruined one marriage way back when, and, and this one's firmly intact. Yeah. Um, 
But, uh, you know, I'm, what do I miss? Uh, nothing except that, you know, 110 minutes on stage. Mm -hmm. And strangely enough, I missed the bus rides with the guys. We, we were down to, uh, uh, you know, just a few of us on one bus and, uh, and the camaraderie there. And, and that, that 40 minutes, uh, you know, Huey and the news was like a team, uh, like a, like a sports team. Uh, we yeah. didn't have little cubbies and we're on the phone with our family and we're separate. We were all in one locker room, you know, getting, it was naked, a brotherhood. Sweeping off each other's shoulders before the gig and, yeah. and, you know, getting the sticky tape, getting the dog hair off your back and stuff. And it was, um, that's the stuff I miss. There was no drama backstage. Johnny had his dressing room and then, you know, Huey's over here, fill in bass player. No. <laughs> it was a real brotherhood. Go tell Mr. Lewis, I'm not playing new drug tonight. No, none of that. <laughs> and, nice. and, I, and I'll say, as, from a fan's perspective, you could see it. When you were on whatever, uh, was, you know, with Johnny Carson or Jay Leno or whatever show you were on, there was always a smile. When you'd go to a show, everybody was sort of looking around and smile. There was always this feeling of we're, we're in a gathering, a little family gathering together. And, you know, a lot of the, 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 the bands you see, it's just this big corporate presentation. And you notice the guys don't look at each other. And it was yeah. very different, you know. And I just saw that about a week ago, but it uh, didn't come from me, okay? <laughs> okay, wait, hold on. I have to ask that. What's, what's this beef with Journey? What's the story there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just I don't have a beef with Journey. I think uh, speaking of making great records and productions and stuff. Uh, yeah. uh, I, you listen to those today and they sound as fresh as ever, you know, it's just, uh, um, no, I don't have a beef with them at all. I'm just, I've never been a, uh, um, well, I mean, it's fair to say it's, I mean, I've it, never it, been a fan of Andra, that's all. That's all that sort of candy pop thing that they were doing. Right. right the glitz, the glamour, the whole kind of vibe, the whole look. Yeah. Man, made some great records. They made some great sides. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so did Huey Lewis. So there, you know, hey, everybody everybody wins. Everybody's yep. happy. Different corral. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Johnny, it was great to talk to you. We'll have to do this again when the archive stuff starts coming out, when you find that Mutt demo. Your <laughs> <laughs> archive, Mutt demo, we're going to talk about all that. <laughs> yes, all of it, all of it. All right, thank you, Mitch. Thank you, sir. We're good. All right, thanks, thanks Johnny. We'll having me, and uh, good luck. Say hi to Foreigner if you see him again. I will. I'll say hi to uh, Froggy for you. And by the way, he gave me permission to call him Froggy. I asked. I said, "Is, <laughs> is it only Johnny that calls you Froggy, or can I call you Froggy?" He says, "I don't care. Anybody can call me Froggy." Very good. He's he's one of the good guys. <laughs> yes, he <laughs> is. Thank you, sir. Merci All right, Johnny. Nice I'll to meet you. We'll see you soon. Bye, Jeremy. Bye. An all-new episode of the Mitchell Fine and Jeremy White Show. Tuesday at noon. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews, bonus content, and episodes on demand now. Visit youtube.com slash Jeremy White Show. Follow Mitch and Jeremy on Twitter. Yeah, they're verified. At Mitch Lafon and at Jeremy White MTL.